This is Project Challenge with your host Doug Lund and Eric G. Hollis. I'm going to let him introduce our guest tonight. I feel like I've known our guest tonight for half of my life, even though most of our interaction has only been on the internet. We've hung out one time, I think, before this, yep, correct? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, we're getting to hang out tonight. Anyway, back before all this podcast bullshit, we used to have a website called What Geek. Myself and our guest Rob, aka Svelte Assassin, we were the, I guess, one and two contributors to that site, and we've kind of been friends ever since. Yep. I can't believe you've never been on an episode of Bitface, but I'm really glad that you're here with us tonight on Project Challenged. Happy to be here. It's amazing. We're going to put a pin right there because I have so many questions about the origins of Wookiee that I've never thought to ask before right now. Okay. We got a couple of staple segments that we got to get out of the way first, though. You've heard an episode or two. I have. You know, we always talk about what we're drinking. Eric, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, Denver Pale Ale by Great Divide Brewery. Same people that make Colette. And I have never tried it before. so I hadn't either before last night. It's not bad. It's like a 3.6. Wow. That's higher than I thought you were going to give it. Does it remind you of Dale's Pale Ale? It does a little bit. Yeah. I think that's what they were going for, but that's not a bad thing. No, it's, it's really good. What's the stats on that one? All it says is 5.0 ABV. Nothing else listed. Who cares about the IBU? We'll throw that in the show notes. I like Great Divide. I think they make a lot of really good beers. And before we get to our guest's beer, (laughs) (laughs) I'm drinking the Green Flash Soul Style IPA. Uh, Eric was kind enough to pick me up some brew on his way into town tonight. God, this is a 6.5, so I'll be unintelligible by the end of the podcast. And a 75 IBU, which is a healthy, hoppy beer. I'm going with like a solid 4.5 on this one. I'm going to go with a 4.6 because I don't think I've ever given that rating before. This is a really good beer. I did a good job then. Green Flash is in San Diego, another San Diego beer. I think we drink a lot of Colorado beers and a lot of San Diego beers, it seems like. And speaking of Colorado beers. Yeah, well, I have a Coors non-alcoholic because I don't drink. But I knew that you guys always talk about beers on the show. So uh, I thought I'd at least contribute. So it's a... Coors with a zero alcohol by volume, I think. Zero. It's Is actually... It? I believe it is zero. That's the oh, first... Oh, no, I'm sorry. It contains less than 0.5. 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5, okay. Less than 0. 0.5. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen one that's like truly zero because I don't think they can... I don't even know. How do they de-alcoholize beer? I have no idea on the brewing process. Do you drink a lot of non-alcoholic beer? I don't drink any kind of beer or alcohol. Nothing at all? Nothing at all. I used to. Yeah, because you used to drink in college, correct? I drank a lot in college. (laughs) Is that why you don't drink now? No. (laughs) I don't drink now. It's actually a weird story, but it's worth telling. I have OCD for real, which is, you know, not just like, oh, I have to wash my hands, so I have OCD. I'm like clinically diagnosed with OCD. They gave me this medication for it after years of trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And on the warning label, it says drinking alcohol could cause coma. And I was like, well, that's it. I'm done. I've had a nice run. I don't need to drink anymore. That's a great reason to yeah. not be in a coma. You know, uh, now, it could just be legalese, you know? It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to put me in a coma, but I don't want to be in a coma. Why take that chance? I don't blame you. I yeah. will ask, though, did they not have any other kinds of non-alcoholic beer at the liquor store that you stopped at? Or We're here in Colorado. I wanted a Coors. I said to my wife last night, you know, I wish I was drinking just so I can have a Coors in Colorado. This afternoon, I had a Denver omelet in Denver, which I thought was important. So that's why I chose course denver omelet the most boring omelet right <laughs> i'm not much of an omelet fan it wasn't all that good but again i'm in denver i gotta have a denver omelet i hear you well i can guarantee you're drinking the shittiest non-alcoholic beer if it's <laughs> <I'm>, based on <laughs> i'm certain <laughs> so what's your rating you know what 
When it comes to any kind of brewed beverages, this is a secret and it's really important to know. So unless you're an alcoholic, you should quit. But obviously, you know, get help, whatever. But if you're not an alcoholic, make sure to keep drinking because all beer, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, when you stop drinking, it tastes disgusting. It's like going back to when you were like nine years old and your grandpa gave you a sip of the most horrifying beer that he used to drink. And you go back to that feeling after a couple of years of not drinking. Absolutely disgusting. So I don't know if this is any better or worse than... <laughs> because your taste buds have moved on. Yeah. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> While we're still talking about beer, it's another thing that we've added to the show recently that we like to talk to all of our guests about. It's a segment called... What is it, Grandpapa? I remember my first beer. Rob, do you remember your first beer? I absolutely remember my first beer. That's why I brought up my grandfather. So he used to drink this really piss beer out of Brooklyn. I'm from New York. That he grew up on. It's called Peels. You guys ever hear of Peels? No. No. It is like New York Schlitz or just the worst beer you can think of. And it was brewed in Brooklyn. And it came in these little stubby bottles. Like Red Stripe? Yeah. It was called Peels. for it, And it tasted like Peels. It was the most disgusting thing I ever drank in my life. My grandfather gave it to me when I was like eight or nine years old. It was just horrifying. And that's kind of what this stuff tastes like. Eight or nine? Because he gave me that taste at eight or nine, he got me to not drink beer for quite a few years after that. You think that was his goal? No, I think he just wanted to give me a taste of his beer because he was a cool guy. Cool gramps. Yeah. Right on. Well, let's get back to the origins of Wookie. I don't know. I have so many questions for you about librarians. <laughs> Everyone has questions about librarians. You guys are like unicorns. It's this weird <laughs> kind of elevated position. You obviously love doing it. Being a librarian? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's been a dream job, I would say. Like, I didn't know it when I went into librarianship. I had no idea what it was, actually. I was just applying to grad school, and that's the first thing everybody gets shocked about about librarians. We all need master's degrees in library science. It's an actual thing, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I just needed to go to grad school because I couldn't get a job and ended up at the University of Pittsburgh. And I went there because I have a history degree for their archives program which I thought was going to be uh, something I wanted to do. It turned out it was not. But it turns out that librarianship is all about basically being a professional Trivial Pursuit player. It's just like answering weird questions all the time. And I was just born to do that. Do you play a lot of trivia? Yeah. Like bar trivia, online trivia? Well, obviously, I don't go to bars too much anymore. Because you don't <laughs> so drink? Because I don't drink. But uh, the last time, we actually had a team of librarians. We all went to uh, to do bar trivia and... We didn't win, but we came in second, but we should have won. I can't remember. Something weird happened. You guys are playing against some loser, non-ethical librarian team, I bet. Exactly. Yeah, they cheated. They beat us by one point. Fuck. I'm pissed off just hearing that story. Yeah, I, <laughs> I actually did know uh, how much school was required to be a librarian. It's actually something that I looked into when I was deciding my future. And when I saw how much education was required, I'm like, no, that's not for me. I'm taking a, an easier path. I guess libraries in general are probably something that is looked upon differently in the year 2017 than it was even 20 years ago. What do you say to people who tell you that libraries aren't relevant anymore? I tell them to fuck off. Nice. No, we generally tell them what we have that they may not be aware of. Most people think you can get everything on Google. And that's just obviously not even close to true. Uh, about 95% of the internet is not available on Google. And we make a lot of that stuff available to people. Things you have to pay for, you come across an article, 
it says uh, New York Times, pay for it. We have that for you. Or, you know, in my case, I work in an academic library. It's a lot of scholarly research journals. It's ebooks. It's all that materials that people can access from anywhere, not just in the library. And in the library itself, it's really useful. People can study in groups. It's not at all quiet. I am a master at shh, but that was from a long time ago. Basically, libraries are very, very relevant. They can get you anything you possibly can find. If it's out there, we can get it. And I think this is a point that especially all of our young listeners need to pay attention to. If you notice what Rob said, it's that 95% of the information that's out there online and accessible is not available via Google. It's behind some kind of paywall or some mechanism that you have to have access to to find the real information. So for all you little fucks out there with your degree from University of Google, there's a reason that people look at you like they do when you're quoting facts from Wikipedia. And it's because all of the real research, the empirical evidence, the kinds of things that you need to build like a good citation or just do real research can still only be found in certain places. A library is one of those. For on a serious note here, we're trying to make this stuff more accessible to people outside of libraries. So you don't have to pay for it. It's called open access. And we're trying to get people to publish their research in open access journals so that it can be accessible through Google or other types of, but at the moment, it's not. So use your library, public service announcement. You see some weird shit in the library? Not as much as I, I used to. to <laughs> not as much as I used to, right? Because I'm, I'm an academic librarian, and we are a public university where I work, but it's uh, mainly just students, faculty. Our building is right in the center of campus. So if you're a person from outside who wants to use our library, you have to make an effort to get to that library. So we do have some community users that are kind of regulars, but it's not like a public library where the really weird shit goes down. Public libraries, uh, unfortunately, a lot of them have kind of become way stations for homeless people, kind of become like daytime homeless shelters. And not that homeless people don't need shelter. They should have a place to go, but it chases off people who don't want to be around that. So people who would be using the library for traditional library purposes end up not wanting to use certain libraries and the library itself ends up becoming a, just kind of a daytime homeless shelter. And that's where you see really crazy, crazy stuff, not just from homeless people, but other people coming in all the time. Uh, when I worked in a public library, yeah, I saw some shit. I just remember all the weird shit that I used to see and do in my college library, especially back in the stacks in the dark corners. Yeah, well, I don't see the dark corners. I know stuff goes on or went on. Our library has had uh, some construction problems. Our building has been cut in half for the last few years. So if anybody was trying to use the stacks for any kind of you know romantic purposes, that really can't go on anymore. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it used to. But I wouldn't have seen that anyway. I'm not like wandering through the stacks. I've got an office and all that kind of stuff. But when I was in the public library, oh my God. Yeah, I was only in the public library for a couple of years. But it was <laughs> back in New York in Queens. I remember one person actually got mugged in the library. I remember a guy standing out in front and he slowly took off his shirt and he grabbed a washcloth or some kind of cloth and he started wiping it over his whole body. And then he took off his pants and he takes the washcloth and he's wiping it across his whole body. He's standing out right in front of the library, the central library in, in Queens. And it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. So all these kids are coming into the library. Oh no. And yeah, you can see the parents walking with their kid and then they see this guy and they're like, oh my God, just really crazy. I worked in an area called the Job Information Center where we help people to find resources on writing resumes, writing cover letters, looking for jobs, that sort of thing. And the guy came in, I think he was just trying to test me. He wanted to find out how to get a job in porn. 
not being a porn star, but like working as the like camera craft services. Yeah, <laughs> like craft services, or you know, being an accountant on the set or something like that. And uh, I was able to find some information on it because, like, as a jizz leopard. counter. Yeah, just. <laughs> I did find information on where they advertise their jobs. And right as I was finishing telling him this, the boss of the whole department walks in. Oh, just as I'm saying to him, and remember, before you leave, remember to check in the back of the gay newspapers. <laughs> and, and my boss looks at me, and she stops for a second and goes, I don't want to know. But like you said earlier, it's your job to know right. where to find things. And right. I would think anyone in your industry would know that that's a valid tip. Well, I found out that day it was. I'd never looked for that before. Okay. I <laughs> sure. I, I, we'll, I let swear, you, we'll give you a pass I swear on that I never one. wanted to work in porn. <laughs> did you ever want to work at the gay newspaper? No. Okay. But I did have an interview with the Village Voice. Let's what, say that counts. Yeah. That's a reputable publication, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, I've heard of it, so I'm assuming it's uh, at least got some kind of merit. Yeah. What's the biggest misconception people have about your job? That we read all day. We check out books. The librarian is the person who is behind the counter stamping your book and checking it out. I don't do that. The people who do do that are awesome, especially at our library. They're the frontline people. Like you ask me if I see some weird stuff. I don't really see it. Those guys see it. Yeah. But, you know, my job is just to find the information. And especially in the field where I work, the specific area, I do mainly business research. And business students have no interest in books whatsoever. If it's not online, they don't want it. So I hardly have anything at all to do with books whatsoever. I don't read all day. I don't spend time with them. My whole job is sitting in front of a computer like everybody else. I'm sure that's one of those professions that is really done disservice by fiction, by how you're portrayed in a movie or... It's just traditional, you know, the way it goes. I don't think it's that big of a deal. There's a great movie about librarians that actually shows how it really is. It's about 20 years old now, but it's awesome. It's called Party Girl. If you've never seen it, see it. It's great. I got to write that down. Parker Posey? Parker Posey. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. That is, at least you know, 20 years ago, that was exactly what working in the public library was. Well, thanks for indulging me. Yeah. I don't know that I could have talked about my job for as long as you just have. <laughs> and I'm sorry if we drug it out for a little bit. I'm sure this is probably a phenomenon that you experience often, though. You even made an allusion to it earlier when you said lots of people are curious about libraries and librarians. Right. They're fascinated to find out that the librarian isn't the person who checks out the book, that the librarian has a specific job role of research and teaching and all of that sort of thing. What do you call the person that checks out the book? Depends on the library you work at. Uh, where we work at, they're called library assistants, but they're generally considered, I guess, paraprofessionals. Okay. But they do a lot besides just check out the books. They're awesome. Without them, my job would be miserable. Give it up for the paras yeah. in the trenches. Absolutely. So it seems like, though, once you do become a librarian, that you're only allowed to marry within the profession. This does seem to happen. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't know. Do I know any other librarian couples? I'm looking over at my I wife. do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Tim and Natalie. You don't know Tim and Natalie, but yeah, they're a library couple that we know. I think it just happens where the people who you are around, you end up kind of hooking up. Yeah. That's where people meet their spouses. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of librarians. So one thing that is stereotypically true about librarians is that while I'm not, we are mostly female. The profession as a whole is about 80% female. It's a great place to meet girls. Sweet. <laughs> so, yeah. You picked well. Yeah. 80%. Nice. That's good. Yeah. Odds. Yeah. I didn't know that that profession skewed that heavy. My wife also works in one of those professions, but I wouldn't have thought that librarians fell into that category. Yeah, Excuse very hard female, which is fine. I like my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I met my wife. We didn't work together, but we worked for the same uh, library system back in New York. So that's how we we ended up meeting, whatever that was, 96. 96. And fast forward 20 years and you're in California. So what yep. brought you from coast to coast? New York sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I have no other way to put it. In all seriousness, it's just not for me. I grew up there. I'm from Queens, the borough of Queens. It was a great place to grow up. I got to experience all kinds of things, going to museums. I remember our junior high school orchestra got to go see special performances by the New York Philharmonic uh, that were done just by kids in school orchestras. And there are other places where you get that opportunity, but they're, they're few and far between. So it was awesome place to grow up, but as an adult, it is hard costs a lot of money. So you moved to California. California doesn't (laughs) compare. It costs so much money to live in New York. And it's a place for type A, really driven, hardcore people. And I'm not one of those. I'm much more of a California kind of guy, just laid back, not really pushy. And to survive in New York, you have to be an asshole. It's nothing personal. That's just the way it is. I love New York. It's a great place to visit. I don't (laughs) mind going back once a year, every other year, maybe. My parents still live there most of the year. They now spend their winters uh, near us in California. So it's not bad going back and visiting. But after a couple of days, you're like, oh, yeah, that's why I left. This is intense. I remember I'm looking over at my wife and thinking about the time we went into the grocery store and left in like a huge panic because it was so intense just going to the grocery store. And everybody's running around and grabbing things. And it's just like your heart's racing. It's pounding. It's just, it's, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I like California. Basically, my wife and I were looking for a place to move to. Uh, I had a couple of criteria. I wanted it to be warm, although I was a little flexible on that. I wanted it to still be in a city, but not that intense. And I wanted good sports entertainment, good sports, good music scene, you know, that sort of thing. We applied for jobs in different places, and we ended up, I got a job at Cal State Fullerton. My wife's there now, too, but she originally started at the Los Angeles County Public Library. Basically, that's where we were both able to get jobs. It's worked out great for me. I love it there. Do you guys see yourselves staying there for a while, like retirement? Uh, well, we've been there now for 18 years, and uh, we just bought a house like two years ago, so I think we're kind of stuck. How do we- you end up in South Carolina in between all of this? <laughs> right. South Carolina is my alma mater. Go Cox. Is that why you went there? Just I- easy cock jokes for the rest <laughs> of your life? <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll tell you, there's some miserable things that happen with the Cox. So, uh, <laughs> I was uh, like, here it comes. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way yet. I thought that I wanted to go to school in Florida. I hate cold weather. My parents were really willing to indulge me to pay for me to go to school within reason. You wanted to be a gator, didn't you? No, I did not. Seminole? No. Okay. But uh, my grandparents lived in Florida because that's the law. When you're 65 in New York, you must retire to Florida. I've heard that. Yeah. So my grandparents lived in Florida for most of my life at the, at that point, and I loved going down there. We'd spend, I don't know, maybe six weeks out of the year. I'd go there every vacation. I'd go and spend in West Palm Beach, Florida. I loved it. So I wanted to go to school in Florida. We had a couple of places planned out and picked to look at, but we were driving down. My dad picked out this itinerary of schools to stop at, and we stopped at University of South Carolina. And I went, wow, this is awesome. It just felt like home. They told me about free football tickets. They kind of sold me on that, and that's how I ended up there. It's a great place to go to school, but I would not stay in the South for anything. I completely understand why. This seems like a really good place to ask about the What Geek Origins. (laughs) We know each other through Miserable Jim. Right. Which is the greatest nickname ever. (laughs) I did not know him as Miserable Jim. (laughs) You just know him as Jim. I just know him as Jim. God, I haven't talked to Jim in forever. 
I'm very surprised he's not on social media. Yeah, I don't know why he isn't. He hasn't told me. I email with him all the time. He was my roommate at South Carolina for three years. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I can confirm he's not exactly silent because I think I told you, Eric, about some random website that I was on and I'm reading user feedback on whatever. I don't even remember what the topic or the product was, but there's one that's about halfway down and it's got the Gamecocks as the avatar and it's just this really shitty review and I'm like, oh my God. I think this is miserable, Jim. So I did some checking with, do you remember this? Yeah. With a couple people, and, and sure enough, it was. So he's not entirely silent online, even if he's not real vocal on social media. Yeah, and as far as I know, you guys know a completely different Jim at Georgia than who I knew at South Carolina. He, in, in what way? Well, I would never call him miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, come on. You've been in the same fantasy football leagues that I have for yes, like yes, years. Yes, I know, I know, yes, yes. <laughs> We had an apartment for three years, and uh, he was my best friends in South Carolina, and you know we're still in touch all the time. But calling himself a miserable, Jim, that's not the Jim I know. And I think you mentioned that he had never, like, as long as you knew him in Georgia, he never like had a date or anything like that. Not that I know of. I remember you telling me that because he was ladies' man in South Carolina. What happened to this guy? Like you, before today, I, I've never met Jim. I, I only know him from the Waukeek days and from fantasy football. Everything I know about him is through those interactions, and it's not been a positive experience. <laughs> <laughs> he used to go out to uh, rave nights at this one club in Columbia. He'd go there all the time. He'd come home at like 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. With a pacifier in his mouth, I hope. <laughs> he had stories of all these different girls that he was meeting and everything. That he was, And as far as I know, the Jim that I talked to on email and still the gym that I've always known, aside from the um, fantasy football uh, crap outs. <laughs> yeah, the meltdowns. <laughs> yes. Honestly, it's my favorite part of playing in those leagues. Although the year before last, he went and won the whole damn thing. So He did? Maybe 2014, 2015. He won. Oh, huh, I don't remember that. I just remember him always I quitting. Bet, I bet Jim does. <laughs> <laughs> I always just remember him quitting five weeks in. You know. Drafting all Falcons players and then quitting five weeks in. That's what yeah. I remember. And I haven't played with you guys in a decade, yeah. but I did play for a little while. So, Eric, you met Rob through What Geek or through Jim. Mm -hmm. And was that kind of at the foundations of the this site coming online and you guys deciding to, to build this community? I remember it was right at the beginning. It was like six months after first What Geek had started. And, yeah, you just started writing. It was great. Yeah, Jim had come to me and said, hey, Rob, I got this site coming on called What Geek. I think you'd have a lot of fun on it and whatever. And so I did. These are questions I've never thought to ask before. When I started this podcast, I told Eric, I want to take what BitFaced is doing and I want to revisit all of these people that we knew on What Geek and hear their stories. I just remember reading all of these articles and just being fascinated by how articulate and smart and mm -hmm. funny all of these people were. I never thought to ask, like, how did this whole group start? As far as I remember, sometime before I got in, you guys were just posting nudie pics or something. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I wouldn't say nudie pics, but yeah, no, when Wet Geek started, it, there was a lot of that, a lot of uh, Maxim-esque yeah, content. Yeah. Rob was the best writer on Wet Geek, by the way, and um, <laughs> I'll get that on tape right now. Rob was hands down the best writer. But you and I both kind of gravitated to making sure there was something up almost every day. And yeah, you mm -hmm. and I traded back and forth. In fact, I, I don't remember the final stats. You and I were definitely number one and number two as far as articles produced. As you mentioned, you know, What Geek was kind of like a start of kind of social media before there was 
You could have been Mark Zuckerberg and you didn't. You know, fucking Jim says that to me too, and I hate it every <laughs> fucking time. I honestly, and I don't know why you did it, but uh, I wanted to start What Geek, so I had a place to talk to my friends about video games. That's where it all began. I wanted a place to share tips and tricks and hints, and so we could talk about the latest games, the latest movies, and. I think it's evolved to what geek was hard to do. Podcasting, I think, is a little bit easier. That's why I've gravitated towards this. Like I said, Jim just said, join us in what geek. And I'm like, yeah, this is a lot of fun. And, you know, I brought some people in as well. If you remember uh, Ferragamo. Oh, my God. I haven't heard that name <laughs> in forever. Yeah. 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 My brother was in there for a while. 40 ounce, we called him. Yeah, I remember 40 ounce. <laughs> yeah. He contributed fairly often. Yeah. He did. Yeah. I still yeah. talk to John every once yeah. in a while on uh, on Facebook. So where did the Svelte Assassin handle come from? <laughs> so I've been using that online for I don't know how long at this point. Okay. My friends and I back in New York, big wrestling fans. I don't know if you guys like wrestling at all, but we loved professional wrestling. One night we were watching uh, WCW and there was an old time wrestler, the mask wrestler called the Assassin. And he came back as a manager. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember who he was managing. And he was a lot bigger than he was in his wrestling days. And his mask that he was using was probably the mask that he had from his wrestling days. Okay. <laughs> I think it was Jesse Ventura was doing the color commentary. And he goes, check out the svelte assassin. His face doesn't even fit the mask. And my friends and I just died laughing. <laughs> we couldn't stop it. And we just started using the expression svelte assassin all the time. And it just seemed like an easy name to use online. So that's where it came from. You know, I say librarians, we can find just about anything. I can't find footage of Jesse Ventura saying, check out the Svelte Assassin. I've been looking for it for years. There's so much stuff that it's just been lost to time. I think a lot of people make the assumption these days like, oh, now you can find anything from any time. No, there's still a pretty dicey period where you may be able to get your hands on it. You may not. I have been trying to find, to use an example, footage of when Charles Barkley bounced the basketball off of Shaq's face. Mm -hmm. No, I don't. But that sounds awesome. <laughs> oh, it was so great. It was one of my favorite sports moments of all time. <laughs> and you can find it on YouTube, but the video is like grainy and shitty. You can barely tell what's going on. You can't even tell who the two players are, except for it's confirmed that this was actually some kind of footage from the game back when uh, Barkley was still playing from the Suns. But no, I, I mean, to your point, there are things that you go looking for. You just still can't find them. Yeah, it's probably out there somewhere. There's probably footage. You know, everybody posts wrestling videos. It's probably on there. But as far as I know, you, know, you can't do a keyword search for check out the Svelte Assassin. So I've never been able to find it. Or maybe it's the Mandela effect. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> the Berenstein Bears. Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's something that's just been changed over time. Yeah, like did that happen or is that an alternate universe? And at one point we stepped over. Whoa. I'm 99% sure it happened. There's a lot of wrestling that happens, though. They still do that shit <laughs> weekly, right? On two yeah. different shows? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, more than two shows. I was only into wrestling in the 80s. I like the documentaries about the wrestlers me now, too. though. They're yeah. fascinating. Yep, me but too. But you, you could not pay me to watch a match. <laughs> I go back and forth whether I still watch it. I go in and out. But yeah, the history of it, the culture of it is fascinating. I've read a lot of books about it. It's really weird how that is a thing at all, a fake sport. The Mick Foley documentary was mind-blowing to me. I don't think I actually saw that one. You need to watch it. You'll yeah. love it. Who the fuck is Mick Foley? Mankind. Mankind. Cactus Jack. Oh, Mankind. Dude, dude yeah. Love. Dude Love. Yeah. The guy that got thrown off of... Yes. Uh... Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's part of a meme. Yeah. Hell in the Cell. It's a classic. By The Don't... Undertaker. 
the they're both retired now, right? Mick Foley is, yeah. Undertaker might have just had his retirement match. I think he's done. You know what? A lot of these old wrestlers are like Kiss. They say they're on the retirement tour, and it's like their fifth retirement tour. Assuming that you don't... Well, you know what? I was going to go dark for a minute, but I decided not to. <laughs> Were you about to tell a Chris Benoit joke? These wrestlers and like a lot of professional athletes, their lives either end very suddenly and earlier than one would think, or... They're still going strong as uh, media icons in their 70s or is he in his 60s? It's probably 70s because I'm in my 40s now. Hogan's probably 60s, right? He's in his 60s, at least. Getting in trouble for racist comments. Wasn't that the last Hulk Hogan news? He doesn't wrestle anymore, does he? No. No. He had a reality show and his daughter was really fucking banging hot. I remember that. Media icons. I mean, they're they're still relevant somehow. Letting his friends bang his wife kind of action for... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Probably going to cut that too. I think we need to talk about Hulk Hogan's wife getting banged by his buddies. Yeah, that's a central conversation. That's a discussion that we need to be having. I mean, think about it. Jimmy Superfly Snooker was probably ever getting up in that. <laughs> you never know. Well, he murdered his girlfriend. Superfly did? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, and he's dead now too, though, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he just died, but this was like 25 years ago, and they put him on trial last year, but he was sick and dying, so they just dropped the charges. He allegedly killed his girlfriend. They were like, if you can jump off the top ropes and land... You're not guilty. <laughs> That's why I wanted to avoid this subject because it's dark and I knew where you were going to go with it. I'll just end up crying because I've got enough oh, liquor in me like, now. if you watch like the Jake the Snake documentary. I've heard that good. one's really good. God, man. Jake the Snake doing fucking meth at the Motel 6 bathroom. Okay, we've got to change the subject. <laughs> it's sad. And then who else is in it too? Iron Sheik has a documentary and he's like strung out off his ass signing autographs at Chuck E. Cheese at two in the afternoon in Georgia. Well, if you've ever seen the... Um Scott Hall, he's gotten his act together, I think. You know, uh, Razor Ramon. I'll take your word for it. That was on uh, ESPN. They did a thing about him. And he was stumbling down, drunk or high or something, going to the match. And they're shooting this documentary about him. And they're following him as a small indie wrestler now. They literally have the footage of him just stumbling drunk to the ring, unable to do anything. After that, he started to clean up his act. Yeah, it gets kind of ugly. The real stories to me are more fascinating than the stories that they fabricate every week to get ratings. I will watch. If you tell me there's a documentary about a wrestler, I will watch it. I love all of the documentaries, even the ones that WWE produces or WWF, whatever the fuck they are. Even those are good. And, you know, those are a little not biased, but, you know, they probably leave some of the the Mm -hmm. meteor shit out. I imagine they're all tragic, though. Like there's no like feel good wrestler biopic out there, is there? Roddy Piper had a pretty good story. I mean, he died. <laughs> he died. He got yeah. to be in They Live. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, is there a good Hogan up until Jesse all... Ventura? Yeah, he got to be governor. He got to be governor. And then aged really quickly. I saw a picture yeah. of him recently. It looked like he put on 15 years in two. Sergeant Slaughter's still doing Comic-Cons and shit. Oh, my God. Sergeant There's Slaughter. There's one wrestler. You can find videos of this on YouTube. You remember Virgil? He was uh, Ted DiBiase's guy. Mm-hmm. He, like, sets up a table in New York City subway and charges for autographs. Good for him. He's hustling. Wouldn't you? I don't know. (laughs) I've never been a professional wrestler. It's got to be hard, though. All the documentaries are all about how bad their bodies get torn to shit, too. Like, even though it's fake, you still have to do some of that shit. Like, falling off the top of the cell. I mean, that's as fake as as falling off the top of a fucking cell is. (laughs) Well, you know, yeah. I mean, the outcomes are fixed. It's storylines. But they're basically stuntmen. Right, who also suffer horrific deaths and tend to die sooner than the median age or or whatnot. 
Can't believe we're talking about wrestling on Project Challenge. I'm very happy right now. <laughs> I did remember as we Rob's got into, a huge fan. Yeah, as we got I, I into was, this yeah. subject. So yeah. that's great. And yeah, now it's it's kind of bringing me down a little bit. Yeah. Let's talk about some fun shit. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we were bullshitting online, and you said I'm coming to Colorado. Yeah. It can't just be that we said, "Hey, Rob, come to Colorado," and you said. Fine. <laughs> you didn't even say come to Colorado. You said you just wanted me to do the podcast and I would do it from home. And I said, fuck it. Let's go to Colorado. I see Joy over there shaking her head <laughs> with arms crossed. What other options were on the board when it was like, where well, are we going to take the well, vacation? We took, we just had taken this time off and we hadn't planned on anything yet. We we're just kind of busy and it just snuck up on us like, oh shit, we have two weeks and we've got a vacation coming up. What are we going to do? And you guys suggested me coming on the podcast. And I'm like, why don't I just come to Colorado and do it? Because neither one of us had been here uh, in a long time. I've been, I came here when I was a teenager. Joy has just passed through. So it's a good place to explore and see what's out here and get to do the podcast live rather than trying to figure it out on my computer because I'm not good with that stuff. I'm so glad you came. <laughs> not just because we were able to do this tonight, but because I love my state. I told you, I consider California my home. That's where all of my family is. And I've lived in six different cities in California, but Colorado's my home now. And I've tried to leave twice and I've come back both times. I can't evangelize it enough. Um, whenever I think people get an opportunity to come and check out our state for anything besides the marijuana, because <laughs> people come on. <laughs> grow the fuck up and you can find that just anywhere now i mean it's like more and more in, in fact uh california yeah. has we're legal a retail marijuana in the works right it's probably right. well like the, next year the medical marijuana has been around for since i moved out here and they you don't need anything to get a medical marijuana card i know right? you just I, my pinky hurts here's a medical marijuana card that's almost exactly how my interview went my, <laughs> so, so. yeah it was pretty easy yeah so you know, it's been pretty much legal in California anyway, but I don't really care much about that. Even though, you know, there's no warning on pot that says I can't take my OCD medicine, I still just don't really smoke it anymore. So so you've been <laughs> in Colorado for, what, 48 hours now? Something like that. Two, three days. Yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, we went traveling out in the mountains uh, yesterday, I guess. We went out to Red Rocks and we went looking for the herd of buffalo and couldn't find them. We went to the Buffalo Bill Museum, though. So Wait. It was great. There's a herd of buffalo up by Red Rocks? Yeah, somewhere off uh, 70. Nikki's like, come on, you should know this. Buffalo Bill. Okay, but just because someone's buried up there doesn't mean there's like a mythical herd of buffalo. That's not a mythical herd. <laughs> I mean, we didn't Did see, see it. Did you see it? No, we didn't see it, so it, it could be it's mythical. It's like the spirit horse from Young Guns, but too. If you, drive, if you drive down 70 West, you go past the Buffalo Bill grave, You'll see a sign that says Buffalo Herd Overlook, and you'll eventually find it. We got lost trying to find it, but we eventually did find the pasture where they graze. But we didn't see it. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned right now, it, it sounds like mythical status. My wife. It's like a white I, buffalo. I love how uncomfortable it's making Nicole right now. She cannot. <laughs> she, <laughs> it's a real thing. Go drive out there. See, it's. I mean, the pasture is real anyway. All right. Did I see a buffalo? I don't know. I didn't see. Where'd you guys go eat after that? <laughs> That's a good transition. <laughs> Only because I know where this is going. <laughs> okay, so one of the things I want to do, most people do when they travel, right? You want to go eat at places that you don't have where you live. Correct? Sure, Cause definitely. Nowadays, there's chain restaurants everywhere. I'm not going to come to Colorado and go to Applebee's. Please don't. They suck. <laughs> As an example. 
So we were really hungry after uh, driving around in the by Red Rocks and everything. And we were trying to find a place that was at least unique to here or something we couldn't get back in California. And we drove into a strip mall and saw a bunch of different places. And most of them we have or wasn't interested. And then we saw a place called Freddy's. And I'm like, I don't have a Freddy's. I don't know what that is. Let's go eat at Freddy's. We pulled in. And then I saw kind of out of the corner of my eye a place called Twin Peaks. Again, we don't have this where I live. My wife and I are both really big fans of the TV show. I was not expecting it necessarily to be a David Lynch tribute restaurant, but I thought it just kind of had like a mountain theme at least or something. And I guess it does. So, <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we walk into Twin Peaks and I see the hostess is wearing absolutely nothing. So at Twin Peaks is like tilted kilt or I guess Hooters, uh, more upscale and hooters i don't know what the right word is like barely a step above hooters like is they what serve I would real say. food and have they serve <laughs> real food and have benches and you know tables like a restaurant but they have scantily clad waitresses and yeah. they pretty good beer i've been <laughs> in in vegas <laughs> so i had no idea what this place was so we walk in see the scantily clad hostess i say to joy we don't have to eat here don't worry about it and joy just keeps going she is so excited <laughs> about what I'm going to do in this place. <laughs> it's like I've achieved some sort of dream. She's been waiting since 1996 to see what I'm going to do in this sort of place. <laughs> so we go and sit down, you know, at our table. And our waitress has, of course, massive breasts. Um, Job requirement. And I'm trying as hard as I possibly can not to look at them. Especially, you know, my wife is sitting right across from me. She's looking at the waitress's breasts. She can give you a... <laughs> Dead on description of everything about them. Did you see the tattoos? I said, what tattoos? She said, you know, the tattoos. She's got two tattoos on her breast. Well played. And I'm like, I know, I didn't I didn't see the rest. Because I'm basically, as she comes up to the table to take our order, I'm looking away. I'm looking at the ceiling. I've pretty much, across from us is a picture. It was like a Montana guide to the uh, fly fishing. So I'm looking across <laughs> at that poster. And I've pretty much memorized every kind of fish you can catch in Montana. Because that's what I'm looking at while the waitress is bent over right in front of me. Yeah, I was massively uncomfortable, and Joy was loving every second of it. <laughs> uh, that's a great story. But, uh, you know, I, I can't get that in California yet. That's true. And their food's not great. I wouldn't... It's, it's, it's okay. It's, yeah, okay is probably what I would describe I like it the as, pot. Too. I recommend the pot roast if you go there. It was pretty good. They've got a, a decent uh, buffalo chicken sandwich, too. I think wings, like Hooters, is kind of their thing. I don't know what yeah. that is about skanks and wings. Is that a magic combination? If there's not a rap album called Skanks and Wings, there <laughs> there needs to be. I probably shouldn't say that either because I think, well, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say something about the fact that a lot of these places are like post-exploitation, but they're really not. I mean, There's it's, nothing post about it. It yeah. appeals to a, a base element. The only post is the one they dance around when, when somebody's birthday. <laughs> oh, my God. That was such a good joke. I went to Twin Peaks for the very first time this year. I have a Twin Peaks just down the street from my office. And a few guys go there, not regularly, but like every couple months, they're like, oh, this is where we're going today. And they always try to convince me to come. So it was actually the first day of one of my uh, new employees, and we decided to take him there for his first day on the job. Yeah, that's when I decided that I wasn't really impressed with their food. One experience. Buffalo chicken sandwich was all right. But I had a conversation with two of the girls that, that work there, and they're they're like, yeah, we get it. We understand what this is about, but this is how we use it to our advantage. And I thought, if this is a win-win, win-slash-win scenario, 
for everyone involved, then maybe that's not a bad thing. I don't know. A breast case scenario. That's <laughs> <laughs> what Eric brings to the show. <laughs> Joy posted the story on Facebook to her friend. Nice. And one, <laughs> and one of her friends commented that I've never heard of this place. She said there was a place called Hoo-Ha's. No way. What? That's what her friend <laughs> said. I'm not making this up. She said, oh, that's like tilt a kilt or hoo-ha's. Hoo-ha's. Let's stop trying to like <laughs> right. be creative. Because Twin Peaks is a, at least, yeah. right, you guys can attest, it creates at least an illusion or maybe it's not exactly what right. it's being referred to. But hoo-ha means exactly one right. thing. You might as well call the place twats. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I have to see if that place really exists or what Joy's friend was talking about. You might have to travel to Pennsylvania yeah. to <laughs> go to Hoo-Ha's. Jesus. Wow. You guys are both Twin Peaks fans, you mentioned. The David Lynch fans. Fans of the original show? Yeah, I am. Joy is just watching the new version. Yeah. And um, she asks a lot of questions. Have you seen... Uh, have you taken her back to the original? I was going to ask her directly, but then I realized she doesn't have a mic in front of her. So have you had a chance to expose her to the original series or fire walk with me i think she said she watched fire walk with me the other day right yeah so i made this mistake because i was a big twin peaks fan at the time i thought oh i gotta show nikki the original series before we watch the new one oh wait fire walk with me chronologically happens before the series so let's start there we didn't make it any further than fire walk with me because as soon as it ended i'm like i feel kind of like a dick for making her watch that <laughs> i enjoyed it at the time you but should it, if you don't have a long-standing relationship with David Lynch and an appreciation for his work, you have no business forcing that on someone else. Like I say, where Joy is, is trying to catch up with it, and she asks a lot of questions while we're watching it, and I can't answer because this show was on 25 years ago, and I didn't rewatch it. I don't remember. And that's assuming there is an answer, because when yeah. Nikki's like, why is there a midget? And I can't understand him. Like, there's no answer for that question. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not, I, I need to to make that clear. It's not like, Joy is bothering me with with this stuff because you know she is uh, a huge Days of Our Lives fan and has gotten me into it as well. But I don't watch it every day. I'm not going to shame you for that. that Young and the Restless, it, but I don't watch One it Life every, to Live. I don't watch it every day. Joy does. So I'm always. What happened there? What's Nicole doing? What what resolved? So I'm always bugging her with that. I'm just bringing up that I can't answer the questions <laughs> that, that are happening on Twin Peaks. Not just because they're so vague, but because I don't remember what happened 25 years ago. Fair enough. I'm fading quickly, so I'm thinking we probably need to get this wrapped up. But we've done exactly what I hope to accomplish. Give me my comic books back, Miserable Jim, you fucked hard. I'll let him know. It's good. It's the weed and X-Men. You did almost all of the talking. Which really? is exactly the goal. Right. Oh, okay. My goal, at least. You've got a great voice. Oh, yeah. Thanks. You need to do this with us more often, man. This is new home. What Geek. Yeah, I'll do it from home. It really, really is. is. The new I, won't, I won't come to Colorado all the time. It's not hard. I bought like a $100 mic, and Eric's got one just like that at home, and we use Skype, and that's how we do almost all of our project yeah, challenges. PC is done between our two houses with webcams mm-hmm. so that we can play off each other, and it works great. It does. I had a great time Thursday. Did this feel okay? Felt great. Good. Sweet. It felt great to me, too. Yeah. Me, too. I'm going to do the close, and then we're going to wrap up here. Here at Project Challenge, we love all kinds of feedback and questions. You can find our email and Facebook details at projectchallenge.com. Follow us on Twitter at OG Challenge and drop a review for the show on iTunes or the Play Store. Huge thanks to all the listeners, the supporters, and Rob. And until next time, stay challenged. If we get 100 subscribers, Doug will tell the powder story.